Gavin Wood's Countdown Podcast, proudly brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hi, this is John Swan Swanee, and you're listening to Gavin Wood Countdown Podcast. And welcome to this Gavin Wood Countdown Podcast. This Countdown Podcast is going to be a beauty, I know, because he is one of the true characters of the Australian music industry, one of the greatest singers you'll ever hear, and also has recorded some of the best songs. It's my mate Swanee, John Swan, hello. Good, Gavin, how are you? I'm all right, Swanee. John Archibald Dixon Swan, OAM. Yes. Congratulations on the medal, OAM. That's a fine achievement, John. Yeah, the one I didn't expect to get was senior citizen, and that was like, um, I thought senior was Mexican. Senor. (laughs) Senor, mate. Yeah, that was 2015, South Australia senior citizen, Australian of the year. And then in 2017, you were appointed as uh, Order of Australia medal, uh, OAM. A great achievement, mate. Uh, You know, when, when you consider... At an early age, you came out from Glasgow. How old were you? Ten. Ten. Now, now, that must have been a wrench for you, because I could imagine you would have left your mates back in Glasgow like John Paul Young did. Yeah, I did. But you know what? I very quickly adapted to the Aussies, because they were a cantankerous bunch of people. Uh, you know, like, they would have a go at you. And, and that that sort of got me in. I was I loved that cheeky, roguish, Australian... It's just an Australianism, you know, like the yeah. way they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you talk different, they take the mickey out, you, you, you get your, your differences settled, then you're mates for life. You know? That's very true, very true. Did Jimmy come out with you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Five of, us, five of us came out. Two girls, three boys. Alan. Right. Uh, you, I think you met Alan. He was sound of mushroom. Um, yes. Then Dorothy and Linda. Linda was in Jim's back and band. She was uh, the back and singer. Right. So, where did, did you settle in Adelaide? Yes. Yes. So, wh- what a what a I mean, Adelaide. Everybody settled in Adelaide. It was quite a big fraternity of young musicians ready to take on the world. Absolutely. You know, like, um, and we didn't know we were young musicians yet. You know, like because at that stage, we were just finding a few. I mean, I had the hots for Glenn Shorrock's uh, sister. You know, like, oh, and oh. that's how we met. Oh, is that right? And he, he was in the twilight, so I went along to see them at the Salisbury Youth Centre, and oh my God, they were just great. You know, Terry Britton, yeah, uh, you know, all of those guys. You started out as a drummer in yeah. in a band called Happiness at the age of fourteen. Thirteen, yeah. Thirteen. So, so you obviously knew you had rhythm way back then. Oh, I joined a pipe band before that. I was in the pipe band at nine or ten, you know, oh, right. because um, I just loved the rudiments of drumming, you know, the, the discipline that it took. Mm-hmm. And uh, to sit down and work out all those parody doors and all that, that sort of stuff was was just really good for me. For my head, it was yeah. great because I was, I was a particularly good student. And then when we came here, I just got... I became one of the boys and school went out the window, you know, like, so yeah. I needed to folk. I need to keep, get that focus on some sort of discipline into something. And it just so happened to start off as drumming. Now you, you joined the Australian army at 17. Did you join the band or what happened there? What, what was your motivation? No, before that I was in, uh, Jeff's and John Copper wine. I was in black feather, uh, Jim keys, Southern cross, uh, I played with a whole bunch of Melbourne bands, 
you know. Right, okay. But, but being so young, you flew under the radar, and people like Max and Billy would take you under their wing and they would steer you away from all the predators, you know, like... Yeah, um, yeah, gotcha. And I was at one of Bob John's boys, so so was Billy, you know, we're both Bushido brothers, and um, we... Everybody looked after each other. It was a great, great, great thing. You know, we all lived in one place in Dalgetty Street in St Kilda, where the hookers lived on one side, the musicians lived on the other. <laughs> that was a good time. Most nights. <laughs> Most nights. <laughs> now, now tell, tell me, you're a disciple of Bob Jones, were you? Yes, yes, I still am. That's an incredible discipline to have. Well, yeah, I didn't have the discipline properly for many, many years. You know, uh-huh. I've got more of that. I've got more of that discipline now than what I ever had. You know? Right. You've, you've finally grown up, have you? No, 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 no. I can't be accused of that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't grow up and be a drummer. Well, you took over from Bon Scott in Fraternity 2. That's big, big shoes to fill. I was drummer in Blackfeather when they had Seasons of Change, and I went back to Adelaide and joined fraternity as right. as the singer dave didn't last long unfortunately you know or not unfortunately it was great because i was i was good friends with bond we worked on Penners and dockers and stuff like that together so we were you know we, we were good drink about because we're, we're just good, normal glasgow boys you know uh yeah a fight uh a good woman or a bad woman and a good drink would yeah, perfectly, well, you know, like, and that was Malcolm. That was Angus. That was, you know, John Paul Young in those days. You know, everybody thought he was mm-hmm. such a nice little guy. You know, Ted Mowry, he's one of the biggest rogues God ever put on earth. You know, but well, well <laughs> what what a great team! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I heard back then that the Easy Beats uh, and ACDC would rather a fight than a feed. Yeah. Um, Put it this way, nobody ever gave them a hard time on stage, you know. Um, right. The Easy Beats, might, when they come out, that, you know that show I was telling you about with the Twilights and thing. Easy, yeah. Easy Beats came back from London as well, and they they were on that show. And, you know, that was that was as big as it gets, mate, because Stevie was just firing. The songs were unbelievable. You know, the, yeah. the to be respectful to the other men and the other bands, they weren't doing their own stuff, you know. But the Easy Beats had already had a hit in London with Friday on My Mind and this and that. You know? mm. And David Bowie was looking at doing it at that stage because I became friends with George you know, before I met anybody else. You know? Well, they were the first big ones to have, you know, apart from the Seekers, of course, to have chart success in England. Yeah. And they, they also had chart success in America. I mean, yeah. Friday on My Mind yeah. is just an amazing song. Well, you know, it's been done by so many. One of the best versions is Gary Moore's, you know, like... Um, I still do that today. Uh, I just I dedicate it to George, but I do go in more. Well, you, you found if I were a carpenter, which was your kind of launching pad to the to the national stage. Yeah. How did all that happen? I was signed with Warner Brothers, and uh, Chisel was signed with East, and we were at the celebrations. The whole of all the the record company was there, and we were drinking and playing and doing other things. And the boys were all sitting eating, and there was a piano there. And I got up, uh, sort of started playing a little bit of piano. And it, Dave turned around. He said, well, what's that? And I said, oh, it's just a song I wrote. Don't worry. Jim said, sing it. I said, no, nah, I'm not going to sing a song. Like that. He said, go and sing it, you know. I said, it's a ballad. It's not rock and roll. And he said, sing it. And I did. So I sang Matthew. 
which was a lovely song. I wrote it for my sister's boy, the night he was born. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they just said, well, you play piano, you play drums, you play guitar, you sing. Um, why don't you sign up with us as well, you know? So we yeah. we both signed up at the same time. Um, we go all the way down the line, parallel with Cold Chisel, you know, because like I was with a band with Don Walker before Cold Chisel. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. A band called Queen, believe it or not. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a real hard blues band. It was a guy called Steve Bolecki, a slide player. He was a bit like uh, Reno and people like that, you know. He was just one of those guys who had that slide thing down, you know. There wasn't, mm, there wasn't mm. too many of them in Australia last day, except for perhaps Boric, maybe the laddie does when they came here. Yeah, yeah. But I, I say to you that, you know, it was a great band, and I was playing drums and singing, and Don said, well, I want you to come into this new band and do this, you know, and I went, you know what, Don, I'm earning 20 bucks a week now, and, I, you know, after 20 years of playing in bands, and you're still only earning 20 bucks, are you just starting to earn 20 bucks? You know, mm. I don't think the young kids today can appreciate the fact that to do an apprenticeship when when music was at its highest, its peak here, we had great bands, Madder Lake, everything was going through Mushroom, but, you know, like, it was just crazy, man, crazy, you know? Yeah. And I would go along was... and watch a different band every night. I was, When I was living in Melbourne, I'd be playing, uh, we'd play Maya. The, the store at lunchtime mm. and then you go across mm. the road to 10th Avenue and you play and you support the Twilights. Then you go up the road and you, you've got, uh, you know, Catcher, Tum, you know, mm. all, all of these things mm. that, you know, that's where Bob Jones and all the boys were on the doors. Of course they were, yes. Security. I, but the bands, I've got to tell you, I wish to God everybody who loves music could have grown up through that period because I don't think there was a better period for music, especially Australian music. Uh, we've certainly got some great writers here now, and all of the boys are really great guys. They're good writers. They're great songs. Mm. They've had a lot more success overseas than what we ever had. But, yeah, well, that's true. But, yeah. but we had a fraternity of brothers, which was a stick-together thing, you know, like, uh, say Skyhooks, for instance, they would be playing somewhere, uh, Matthew Flinders, and we would be playing Matthew Flinders at five, so we'd set up our PA in Matthew Flinders, Skyhooks would come in and use our PA, and then we'd go on to another gig, and then at five, they would do another gig and we would use their PA, you know what I mean? And mm, each band mm. that night had set their PA up ahead, even though they hadn't, they're not playing until later on. And you finish up at the yeah. bananas where everybody else was, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and feeling like a banana at four o'clock in the morning. Oh, mate, yeah. Uh, some of the things we've done with those bananas. <laughs> 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 no, but, you know, it, am I wrong or is it just, you know, am I in a fantasy world or is it just the best time for music, you know. Oh, totally, totally the best time. And, yeah. And there was like 120 bands oh, touring yeah. Australia. You know, you and, know and, what, and what about the quality of the singles? Healing Force, Golden Miles. God, I still love that My, my favourite song, yep. Swanee, yep. of all time yep. is Healing Force and Golden Miles. I remember um, 
Michael Gadinsky's Teddy Tumbleway. You know, and that was just when I heard it. And the other band was Procession, Anthem, you know, like there. Yes, they're, Anthem, see, there, yeah. There was a musicianship that didn't exist all of a sudden. Nobody was covering Little Richard songs because uh, no disrespect to the era before, but they were basically, yeah. Cold Joy and all of that, were taking American songs and just doing a, an Australian version of it. My good friend Johnny O'Keefe, he uh, yeah. drums in his band for a while too. But he was doing covers, and it was, uh, it was hard. It was really tough because you didn't have um, that same support here. It had to be but, but, to be drummed up. But Swanee, how good was Johnny O'Keefe? Oh, here is probably here is probably the first act that ever played all his songs in the auditorium in the showroom before he came on. Yep. No act ever did that. He played She's My Baby and all of that yep. and everybody. By the time he came on, they were so revved up. Yep. He just had to stand there and sing and he killed them every night. Well, that's it. You know, like it's a, it's a, an art form, you know, because don't forget, yeah. they were hard men too. Johnny O'Keefe wasn't a pushover, you know. He was a, no. a, a fairly tough guy. Well, they were all had to be a bit tough, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, Forgive me, but Jim Keys and guys like that were gentlemen. You know, they were very soft yes. and, and very much more the more uh, the uh, modern day men. Yeah, the, let's have a joint and sit back and cool it and listen to Jackson Brown. You know, where yeah, you know yeah. that Billy Thorpe would be rocking and rolling, and you know, it didn't matter what you put in front of him; it was gone. You know, and he would get up and play regardless. You know, jo Johnny O'Keefe had in his boot. All yeah. his singles and albums, and he'd roll into a country town where he's playing that night and go straight to the record bar yep. and introduce himself. I'm Johnny O'Keefe. I'm uh, playing at the Hibernian Hall tonight. Yes. Now, do you have any of my singles? Because there'll be a lot of people asking for them tomorrow. Yes. And they'd go, oh, no, we haven't. He said, right, okay. Just well, so I'll, happens. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll write you up for, for 10 albums and, uh, and 50 singles, and here's the invoice, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and... Festival will uh, will be in contact with you, and he, he that's how he that's how he played the game. He was very much ahead of Can his I time. Can I be really honest with you? That's yeah. exactly what I did. And where do you think I got it? Good on you. You know, well I, done. I, I had the singles. I would get the record company to advance me the money for a, to buy books, yeah. a box of singles or albums, and I went to every country town. And you would, in those days, you would play in between towns. Say you went to Adelaide to Mount Gambier. You would do three gigs on the way to Mount Gambier. So I, yeah. I would go into the local radio station. I'd get there early, get into the local radio station before I started drinking. And uh, Jack on the door, bang, 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 you know, say hi. And the guy said, where you are? It's uh, Swanee. He said, hey, Swanee, I've got, uh, I've got a new record. I'd like to... To, for you to play it, and go away. You know, and eventually, if you bang loud enough and long enough, they come at me. He said, "What do you want?" He said, "Come in, come in, come in." And he, yeah, well, I put yeah, it on. Well, I, if they don't like it, yeah. you can get out of here now. You know, I got yeah. all the guys at the Rinders Country Radio stations so well. I would go and stay at their place on the weekends. We'd have a barbecue after the show. You know, like it. Oh, that is brilliant, man! Being being an old country radio announcer myself, that's brilliant. I love it. You know who else did that? Um, just recently, my very dear friend uh, Russell Morris went round all the community radio stations because. You know, we weren't getting the support at radio. Yeah. And I don't yeah. mean, I'm not slagging the radio. I will not slag it because it's not my gig, you know. But mm. those guys are doing what they're told to do. Uh, but in the old days when we had the support of people like Sue Gadinsky was in charge, Sue Smith was in charge of 3XY, 
you know. She was the promotions manager when I was doing breakfast. That's right. She was, yeah. she well, was I, tra- fantastic. She yeah. was great. I think I walked up under your desk when you came in. <laughs> yeah, you, you did, and and we and then we put you on air. It was like it was just like putting Molly on air. Oh yeah, yeah right, God. <laughs> right, we weren't that different, I, I mate. I remember those countdown rock awards in Sydney. Oh no, I, no, <laughs> we don't talk about them, mate. Nothing. We won't go back to that. I okay, haven't, I haven't, I haven't actually been invited back to an area or uh, an acro do. I've only been mm. one. And you know I'm the type of guy who only gets invited to a party once. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, did you have a good time. And that's my mates that are running it. You know, Mark Pope and all those guys were running it. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, they were our tour managers and everything else. So and they'd say, oh, what about this one? And you go, oh, oh, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've cleaned up your act now, mate. You're a, you're, a, you're a good boy now. I'm in my 23rd year of sobriety. Good on you. Yeah. Oh, that's that, mate. That's brilliant. Now I want to talk about two of the greatest singles that have ever hit the Australian charts: "Temporary Heartache" and "Lady, What's Your Name." Yeah. They they still stand up today, Swanee. They are just brilliant songs. They, they are, you know. And I thought so when I first. Do you know? I'll, I'll be re- I'll be God's honest. I'll be really with you because when I first had "Temporary Heartache," I thought oh, a bit commercial, you know. Like, but they said. Hold on, commercial means success. And I said, Yeah, I don't know if I want that sort of success. They went, John, listen to yourself. You don't want that sort of success. What sort of success? Well, you know, I want credibility. And they went, Credibility? You've got to get airplay to get credibility. You know, like, and yeah, that's and explained yeah. it because I was the, one of those thick, die head, die hard Australian musicians who would not budge, you know? And then yeah. all of a sudden, the light went on. And you know who it was? It was Ian Milton. Molly, he he came up to me and he said, that's one of my favourite songs, mate, of all time. And I went, really? He said, I've got people down here tonight. He said, I've got people from all different radio stations. I've got people from advertising. They've got people from bloody magazines. Uh, You come Mm. out and do the set. The place is full. And the encore comes on and you still didn't play Temporary He said, I can't swear, can I? And he said, what the F do you think you're doing? He said, we've got you a hit. You've got a hit on your hands, you know. And I went, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So I jumped back and said, one, two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me tell you, if Molly told you it was true, it was true. There was no, never any yeah. bullshit, you know. Yeah, no, he, he knows his stuff, our dear Molly. And he never bullshitted to me once, never lied to me, never gave me any crap, you know. Yeah, no, you got. I, I, I love him. He's like my brother, just like you. Yeah. Now, temporary heartache, Swanee, and lady, what's your name? Those two songs. When you think about those songs, it gets in your head for a couple of days because they were so good. Yeah, they, they were, and you know, like I learned the biggest lesson in music is to play music that people enjoy. Don't be such a self-indulgent little uh upstart you know like um, yeah, yeah when i was talking to billy i thought that all of those guys because they were sort of fairly tough guys max and you know yuck uh the guys from concession yeah. whoever it was you would say and they seemed to be playing what they wanted to play and i thought that was a way to go because i was such a young man like, i had no experience none whatsoever yeah. and i thought yeah, yeah. i mentally thought they, they were just sticking by their guns and that's the way to do it, you know, because I'm a massive Steve Marriott fan and, you know, he just seemed to do it the hard way, you know. But he, then he came up with these singles, bang, 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 you know, one after another after another. 
Right. And yeah. even though, I must be really honest with you, Gavin, when that comes on, um, I'm standing in a lift in Myers in, in Adelaide or something, and you know you're getting old when your music comes on, the, the lift music, you know, and it's temporary heartache, <laughs> and there's about six people on the lift, and some of them are young, some of them are old, yeah. and some of them are very old, uh, yeah. and they turn around and they go, that's you. And I go, yeah, what? What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it is, and you know, I've got to tell you, Lady, what's your name? Has, I've done it for more weddings than probably, well, Love is in the Air is probably the other one that's, that's yeah. that beat me, you know. Yeah. You had a pretty good sponsor back then, Swanee. Uh, West End Draft. It's all right being sponsored by a beer company. Yeah. No wonder you fell into the vat. You know, no, it wasn't so much that. I was an alcoholic long before that, mate, because where it started was in Melbourne at 13 and 14. I had, I, I used to have panic attacks. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I was molested as a, as a child. And um, I, was, right. I was in Melbourne as a drummer at that age that's why i was looked after by all the boys all the hard men looked after me so yeah they were more generous with their time than anybody i've ever ever met you know like max look what can you say you know like yeah. and anyway they took me under their wing and i was like a little brother but i, I started to have panic attacks when I, I was playing on stage at i think it was uh 10th avenue or something and we were playing away and i all of a sudden i got up and walked off because i was in uh Lynn Randell's band when she had show baby as a hit. Oh, okay. oh, gee, okay. Yeah, that's that's back at thirteen, mate. That's that's that age. Yeah. So I got up and ran off, and I think Gary Spry was looking after. I'm not sure, but yeah, Gary was. Yeah, and you know that when I came off, there was a big bikey guy standing there, and he said, "Where are you going?" And I said, "I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm just I'm terrified." He said. You're just having a, a, a anxiety panic attack, you know. I never heard a panic attack in those days. And he said, yeah. here. And he gave me a single malt, and I took a glass of the single malt, and I, I sculled it, and it hit the sweet spot. And I'm not kidding you, I sashayed back onto stage like I was Little Richard, you know. Like, <laughs> But from then on, it became the go-to and fixer for everyone. Oh, okay. Be it commiseration, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, celebration, you name it. You just you had to go there, pick up a girl, get a drink in you. Yeah, yeah. Pick up two girls, drink a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, mate, uh, you you conquered it, and and you've been alcohol-free all this time, of which I applaud you. I gave up alcohol, Uh, cocaine, speed, all of those drugs that you you know, the eckies and all that sort of stuff. But and and I was smoking about a hundred cigarettes a day because I was drinking so much. You know, it was, I just, whack, stopped. That's it. No more. Cold turkey, man. That's that's a that's a gutsy move. Yeah, I have to do it like that because I'm one of those thickheads. Unless I do it and get it done, and, and if I say I'm going to do it, I need to do it because that's all I've got left is my word. Hmm. Hmm. So was that around 87, 80, 87 when you were in the Party Boys that you did that? Uh, no, it was after the Party Boys. One of the reasons why I wasn't in the Party Boys is because I used to give Paul, Paul Christie hell, you know, like, God bless him. Right. It's a great band, but, you know, um, they didn't get my sense of He did. Everybody else did, but Paul didn't because he's, he's quite, right. quite an intelligent chap, you know. Like, no, we, yes. we get on great now. But we made good oh, music, good. and what I was more interested in was, don't judge me as a person off stage, judge me as a person on stage, you know. There's, yeah. there's bands who have lawyers at a meeting, you know. 
we right. we get, we're having a, uh, an argument over a game of chess, you know. Uh, that's a bit silly. But you had a great number one hit with the, the John Conger song, He's Gonna Step On You Again, The Party Boys. Yes, yes. And that Party Boys album was one of the best albums ever released in the country. It was a nice, it was a great feeling. You know, I was in the studio doing Hold Your Head Up with uh, Alan Lancaster and John Brewster, and I got a phone call from Jim, and then this big thing arrived and it's had bottles of Shivers Regal, you know, as, as in Jim's style with lots of other things in it. And uh, he said, uh, congratulations, your signal's gone number one. He said, I think your album's gone number one on pre-sales. And I went, what? Pre-sales? Mm. What's that? I have never been that close to number one in my life, you know. <laughs> yeah. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives since 1934. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Hi, this is John Swan Swanee, and you're listening to Gavin Wood Countdown Podcast. Tell me about your album in 2007, Have a Little Faith. It was produced by my mate, Mark Moffat. Mark Moffat has given me more chances than anybody else. He did that Have a Little Faith thing, and we, I had about 10 grand, and he got me all the players from Bonnie Wright's band and all of this. Yeah, and wow. they came in and they, they would hear me playing acoustic and singing a song, and it's got nothing on it. It's just the, the raw thing that I sent to, my, to him. Yeah, and yeah. But he would talk to the guy. He says, the Scottish guy is a friend of the guy from ACDC, blah, blah, blah. And the guy would say, send me it. I'll take it, give it, put it on my hard drive, and I'll send it to me, and I'll, I'll put some slide on it. The guy's uh, Jerry Douglas. He's one of the best slide players ever. And these guys never said, we want money. We we need to have something that's going to cost you this. You know what they asked for me? I said, Mark, how can I repay them? They said, they want you to come over here and do a tour through the the university, uh, that that belt, you know? Right. Uh, Well, Mark... Mark could hook it up for you because he's the head of Americana Music over there. I know, mate. He's just producing my new stuff. We've got a band together now. You should have a look for Kilo Band. Kilo? Kilo Band. We've, okay. we're putting singles out now. I've just finished putting the vocals on another one and I've finished a little film clip during lockdown. Uh, now, there's, there's an Adelaide band that go on YouTube and you've sung with them. Oh, Heinley Street. Uh, oh, yes, how good are they? They're very good. That's all. The bands, oh, that's all the bands that play on my albums in Adelaide. Well, mate, they're, they're some of the best players I've ever seen. Well, you, I've got to tell you about a guy called James Mueller. He's number four in a jazz world. Larry Houghton said he's number four. He said he's this guy is the real thing. He's the genius. You know, uh, they're just amazing players, but they're trapped in the. This the small city of Adelaide. I love Adelaide, and I'm, I'm always yeah. staunch to Adelaide. But well, they've got families, I should imagine. Yeah, and they're trapped there. No, yeah. he's only 28. He, he's he's he found a girl over here. He was going. He oh. was flying over and doing David Letterman and stuff like that as a, as a guest artist, guitarist. Uh, wow. Guys like uh, Bonamassa and people like that. Just yeah. what the hell is this guy about? And you sit him down, yeah. and he looks like he's not interested. It's just that he knows it's <laughs> a freaking man, you know? Yeah, what, what is it, the Heinley Street? Country Club. Country Club. Yeah. Now, look them up, you know, if anybody's listening, and, and I won't be uh, do yourself a favour, do yourself mm-hmm. a favour, 
look up Hindley Street Country Club. There is no such street thing as Hindley Street Country Club because it's where the hookers hang out, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what can I say? It's the truth. Um, well, they're on YouTube. You'll be able to find them on YouTube. And, yeah. and they, do Afri- they do Toto's Africa. And it's, it's sometimes it's better than the original song. I heard them the other night doing, uh, yes, uh, hanging around the place. It's come out, you know, like off of... Uh, the, the heavyweight bands and you know they, yeah. then they turn around and they go but what they're doing is they're bringing up that uh younger generation there are getting so friggin good you know there's a guy over there stephen hulk uh stephen hulk now when he sent one of his songs to joe bonamassa joe bonamassa sent him back uh a, a whole bunch of things and they kept up talking and when he joe bonamassa came over uh, Jim hmm. was sitting there and Stephen, uh, Stephen walked in. He's 16 years old. I've been mentoring him since he's 12. And he's walked in and he's just sat down and he said, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And Joel gave him one of his Gibsons. He said, there you go. He said, you deserve that. He said, but you work hard. You work hard. Next thing, wow. next thing I know, he's got Ian Place playing drums on his album. You know, so <laughs> my mentoring works well. It's like it worked well for Jim because he didn't know nothing yeah. about music at one stage. And because I had been in those bands previous to that, you know, he, yeah. at 17, he was a schoolboy, you know, like just John Moltisel. Yeah. Yeah. At 17, I was an alcoholic and drug addict trying to get straight to get into the army. And even they, they threw me out after two years, so it's like shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Never given it a gun. <laughs> Mate, uh, what, yeah, uh, what a career you've had. You, you, I, I really loved Legends of the Southern Land oh. when, when you joined forces with Ray Burgess and Johnson Peters and Marty Ryan. What a beautiful bunch of guys, mate. Yeah. And Tommy Emanuel came and did his little spot because Tommy's a very good friend, you know, that guy. Mm, he's, mm. he's on nearly every other one of my albums. My first ones, he would just come in and he'd sit there. After gigs, he'd be doing gigs. He'd do two gigs a night and then he'd say, well, where can we go now? And they had closed down Benny's and the Men's or something. Yeah. So they would right. they would duck up to the studio because they knew Swanee would have a dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he'd sit in. And he'd bring these people with her, and I'm sitting there, and the guy says, I think I could use a bit of brass. And I said, where am I going to get brass players at 3 o'clock in the morning, idiot? And the guy says, oh, I've got my sex. And I said, yeah, okay. Well, he said, we're, uh, we're, we're, we were in blood, sweat, and tears. This is our horn section. I went, uh, oh, hope I was not alone with that remark about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, mate, well, I've, mate, been the, I've been the most fortunate man. I've had great people. Oh, it's yourself. Yeah. Take a look at the standard, the people who were who behind me. I couldn't have failed, you know? Yeah. Well, you're a wonderful man. We all love you in the industry. Thank you, sir. And, and you know, you, you're just one of those real nice guys, and we love the, the, the quality of work that you put out. Thanks, sir. And, and, and it's great that you're still recording, and it's great that you you know still got your finger in there. Yeah. But I want to talk about... Your charity work, because that contributed to your uh, OIM, yeah. your Order, Order of Australia oh, Medal. That, that was what got me my OIM. There was nothing else. I just, when I gave up drinking, you need to have something to do. I'm the type of guy, if I've got nothing to do, there's, yeah. there's going to be trouble at the mill. So what I did was I started off doing Meals on Wheels, then, uh, uh-huh. then I went cutting lawns for people who couldn't afford to get their lawns cut, old people. And then I noticed that all people didn't have uh, food, so I would go up and get, you know, one of the girls said, I was taking meals on meals in, and she's, 
she's at the top of the kangaroo point across the road from angus young's place right which right, right. so she, she's a you know what do they call that when you've got a lot of money but it's tied up in your land and all of that sort of stuff you know yeah what is it property rich cash <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and meantime her kids for them have built their nice waterfront places in the pontoon right down the very front on the water she's up in the carriage mm-hmm. and i went this isn't right and she said oh look it doesn't matter she said this is life what i really would like she said this stuff's like mush it's like pumpkin and that mashed up the meat mashed up like the pumpkin and so she said, I'd kill for a prawn and a bit of avocado. So I went down the road and I got a prawns and avocado, wrapped it up and went back. And said, the chef passes on his compliments and said to give you this. Anyway, I went next door to see that how the old lady was and give her a lunch. And I gave her a lunch and she said, what's this? And I said, it's your lunch. She said, where's the prawns? <laughs> that girl had set me up with that whole of kangaroo point, you know, like that, that every person knew that Swanee was an easy touch. And they all, and was, they all got... He was going to deliver prawns to everybody. Yeah, they got prawns to have a And uh, I, started, I started doing homeless people, you know, like just getting to know them. But you must understand, I've had a lot of help. I'm not the man who does it all. I'm the man who knows people who can do things, you know. You, you open doors. Yeah. You, you get things done. Yeah. yeah. And, and okay. I, I was with uh, the couple of girls from the Salvation Army, and they said, would you come and play? And I said, yeah, okay. So I went into – then they had about 30 people in there, and they were homeless, and they didn't trust anybody. They got their arms around their plate. And I went and sat mm. at the table, and I sat and talked to them. They said, what do you want? I said, I'm talking to you. You said, who asked you to F off? You know? And I said, don't speak to me like that, or I'll put your head straight through that plate. And he went, Oh, well, he said, that's not very Christian. I said, I'm not Christian. <laughs> you know? And you're looking more like a lion every minute, you know? And he said, what do you do? I said, sing. He said, well, get out there and sing. So anyway, I got up and I did a, I did a sort of slower version, more um, uh, Tim Harden version of Carpenter. I did it off for Have a Little Faith, actually. And, uh-huh. and um, they sort of stopped and they went, oh. You know, so the next night I went, there was a couple more. And then I found out that what you have to do to get people on site is to go to where they are. Went yeah. into the parklands. I sat right. underneath the bushes with the smell of urine and feces and sick oh, and, their, and their clothes. And I sat there and I started playing my guitar for three or four of them. Next thing you know, there's about 30 of them all sat in the room. And I, I invited them up for dinner at the due on to others, this Starbucks mm. thing. And I had to pay for it. Because there was no dinner there, you know, like, so it was like, right. okay. But it got to be the the more you did that, the more they trust you. You've got to give in order to get, you know. You don't, sure. And sure. we're not talking about give them money. We're talking about give them time. Yeah. <laughs> give them yeah. your time your, and try and be as real with them as you can. Anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm talking away, and we had 185 people. I started – with, I thought I'm going to bring in a, a, a karaoke thing, so I brought in, a, I got this box, big karaoke system, and set it up. And mm. the first night, I had to get up and sing six or eight songs because nobody would do it. They're all too shy, too scared, you know. Too, yeah, they they yeah. rejected society. Anyway, one guy comes up, and he goes, "Thunderstruck, no." I went, "Who are you?" And he said, "Just play it." Anyway, I played it. His red head, you know, Irish mad sort of look on his face. 
and uh, 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 came on, and he hit it, and he nailed it up against the wall, mate, you know, and he wow. threw the mic down after it, and he walked off the stage, and I thought, it's Bon Scott reincarnated, <laughs> because he had Bon's attitude and Brian's voice. <laughs> yeah, wow, I, that's incredible. After he did that, everybody came up. By the end of the night, I had, from 185 people that came for dinner, I had maybe 70 people lined up to sing. That's incredible. Yeah. That's funny. But what we what we neglected to do was to get money to pay for the food. So I was using my own money to pay for the food. And you lose out. You know, like, you don't lose yeah. out, but you've got to look after your own, your home, your, your wife. Of course you yeah. have. You've got to look after yourself first. But I'm a fanatic. Once I get into something, it's all on, all or nothing, you know. Mm. And that's mm. how it came about. It was just... Um, because you learn to love people and trust them. I'm sitting talking to a woman. She says, I'd like to have a coffee with you. I said, yeah, sure. So I met her at Hyde Park Bakery, and we sat there having a coffee. And she said, you don't know me, do you? I said, no. She says, I'm Professor Karen, uh, McLean or something. I said, yeah, okay, good. Where do you work? She said, I'm in charge of the university dental clinic. I said, oh, that's good. She said, I'd like to help you. She said, just so that you know, she said, my husband is Nick Pitts, who's – Jimmy's manager and Elton's tour manager, and I went small, small world. Yeah. Like, this is which is what I mean. It's not me, mate. It's the catalyst. I'm just, yes. I'm just the man who happens to. I, I, I mouth off. I, everything that's on my Facebook isn't for my ego. It's so that other people can see that if you do a little bit, we can get a lot done. Well, mate, you are an absolute gem of a person. A, no, I'm happy when I'm helping people. I'm happy yeah. when I'm helping people. Now, Swanee, I heard a rumour that you might be having uh, some product released. Yeah, some uh, all those uh, back albums that we nobody can get uh, are coming yeah. out on CD in a box set, but they're also going to release them in a vinyl box set, which is lovely. I've got a Greatest Hits coming out in about four weeks, and I've got an acoustic album that I've nearly finished with string players and, you know, so a bit more laid back. It's good to have one yeah. It's good to be. It's good to be. You feel like you're validating. This is what I do. Yeah. Life, you know? yeah. Yeah. You're getting your babies out there. Now, where can people get this uh, box set? This will become, it'll be pre orders. So uh, it will be coming along shortly. If they look at Facebook or something like that, I'll get it there. Otherwise, I'll get to people who can spread the word for me. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so just get onto Facebook. Look for, look for John Swan and, and friend him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, before you go, we have the top ten questions, like the top ten and countdown. So these are questions without notice. Yes. First question, who inspired you to make music? My dad and Nat King Cole. Second question, what have you learnt over your musical journey? Never stop learning. And the third question, what was the effect of countdown to your career? absolutely took me from being somebody that, that nobody knew to apart from great friendships it took me to the public eye and well into the public eye next question if you could open up a show for any artist who would it be steve Murray. 
which I already have. I've done Steve Murray and Humble Pie, but I'd do it again. It was just great. I've got a great photo here of me and him standing together, you know, and I've got his mic stand and pulled it off him and started doing Tin Soldier. And I recorded Tin Soldier on there. We spent the weekend together because he he found somebody who was just as arrogant as what he is. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. I love the small faces. Um, And Rod Stewart was good too. Yeah, of course. Uh, next question, Swanee. Yes, Name your three dinner guests, dead or alive. Mandela. Good choice. Dalai Lama. Going deeper. Maybe Nat King Cole, because I'd like to hear what it was like being a black artist in those days. Yeah. Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hi, this is John Swan Swanee, and you're listening to Gavin Wood Countdown Podcast. I was at the front of a restaurant after lunch in, in LA, yep. just up near Sunset Boulevard, and all these ladies were coming out. They've had a ladies' lunch, yep. and they're all hopping, hopping into their Mercedes and, yep. and uh, Bentleys and all of that. Yep. And one of the ladies was Natalie Cole. Oh. And I, I, I was too scared to go up and say, excuse me. Yeah. I nah, just stood there. nah, just go I, up and say, your dad was just the best, you know? <laughs> and then she would have said, what about my catalogue? Yeah. Oh, well, hey, you yeah. look good in that clip too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next question. What's your favourite song to perform? To perform? Yeah. No, okay. I enjoy singing just with acoustic guitar, nothing else, four walls. Calling time for exercise around Her Majesty's Hotel because I, I go into the jails as well and play to those people. And nobody knows what it's like. Everybody makes mistakes, but they judge them so quickly. Right. Okay. Next question. What's the most trouble you've ever gotten into? Oh, we could be here for a while. Shoot. I had a guy from one of the, the sergeant of arms from the Hells Angels love to shoot me because I wouldn't shut up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, can we go into that a little bit more? Uh, no. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. Well, put it this way: he didn't, and we became friends. Oh, that's a good outcome. Yeah. Because never pull a man on a gun unless you're going to use it, because he might just have one with him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Now, next question: If you could change anything about the music industry, what would you do? The choice of repertoire that they're playing to the young kids, I would take all of those freaking Britain's Got Talents, the voice and all of that off and make them get out there and earn their freaking keep, you know? Yeah. Get, go yeah. Up. I, I've got to I teach. I was teaching in Melbourne at the Academy and places like that, and I'm teaching up here. And it's different because what I do is I, I get my kids. They're all scared. Everybody's scared. You know why they're scared? Because they don't go out and play. So I make them go and busk. I make them go. I take them to old folks' homes and they have to sing Ella Fitzgerald. So they're not getting an easy choice. But they they get to sing. They get to then see the the connection between that old person sitting there who looks like they've got about two days left is an absolute ecstatic and gone back to a place of her great parts of her life by you singing that. That's showing them what music really means to people. Mm, mm, That's brilliant, Swanee. Brilliant. What's the best show that you've ever done? Oh. Oh. 
can't remember the last one. Um, I would, I would, I would say, Jim and I did. He came and joined Feather, and we did uh, Robin Trower support, and that was pretty special because Robin Trower was very knocked out. He said, "Can you send that singer up here?" You know, and I said, right. "And I said, if you want to come and hear that singer, you come down here, mate." <laughs> I'm not. I'm not one who's going to be buttering up to anybody. You know, like it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's, why? Why? He's a guitar player. Exactly. Final question. Yes. Final question, Swanee. Yes, mate. What have you learned, and what would you pass on to a young, hopeful musician? If you think you're working hard, double your work rate. Practice, practice, practice. Repetition, 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 repetition. Get your eyes open. Keep your ears open and keep your mouth shut and watch what's going on in this beautiful world and write about it. Do you know what? That's the best best answer we've had to that question ever. Even better than the lawyer. Even better than Mark Holden, John Paul Young and all of them. That was just brilliant, Swanee. Thank you. That is so good. And thank you for your time today, mate. I really appreciate you spending time with me. Mate, when I used to look at... Uh, the photos of you in Los Angeles and that, that took me to a great place in my heart which is always going to be there that's what I mean about that era, that era you know they yeah. take me to a place that's just my happy place well mate we're both in our happy place back in Australia nice yeah. and safe God bless you son Gavin Wood's Countdown Podcast was thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives